be seated. Happy New Year. The tune that I played is an old Scottish tune called Renoa Wa to Baidawa. And it is, sure. <laughs> I did, I did. And it says, We're no Wa to Baidawa, we're not away to Leia, we're no away to Baidawa, we'll always come back and see ya. We're not a way to stay away, we're gonna come back and see ya. We're not a way to stay away, we'll come back and see ya. This was the traditional pipe tune that was played uh, and during the uh, immigrations of the displacement of the Scots to the New World. And so they were saying to their family, we're going away, but we'll be back again. And so it's an appropriate one now that is always uh, said at this time of the year. And uh, with a, a very special Scottish toast that says, we jock and daughters for your gang of there's a we Wifey waiting, a wee button bend. If you say it's a bra brich moonlich nich, you are rich again. And you say, Slanjava. Slanjava. Hey, we're official. We're official here. What's the translation? What did we agree? Anybody wants the translation, I'll tell you a little bit later. <laughs> We do have a couple of announcements for you for uh, this um, first Sunday of this new year. It's hard to believe, first Sunday of a new year. Where did 2016 go? The thing that, that came to my mind as I got up this morning, uh, how many of you stayed up past midnight? Let me see the hands. New York time. Uh, New York time. <laughs> how many of you stayed up, how many of you stayed up LA time past midnight? Oh my goodness gracious. How many of you like me went to bed at nine o'clock? <laughs> well, as I woke up this morning, I realized that it's exactly six months to the day that I'll be retiring. From this day, exactly six months. So, uh, uh, <laughs> let's see, three times. Uh, so I better have some good ones. But uh, I, I, it's, it's a new year and new things. And so as we ask God's blessing on us, may truly we be blessed. May you join with me in our call to worship. Arise, shine, for your light has come. We are called out of darkness into light. Lift up your eyes and look around. Rejoice in the gift of light. Come, let us worship the God of light and joy and peace. We come to kneel at the cradle of the babe, the light incarnate. May I invite you to stand as we join together on our hymn of celebration number 553, verses 1 through 4. This is the, the very important Wesley hymn. It was uh, sung at the beginning of the conference, uh, of the annual conference of every Methodist uh, uh, conference, and is the traditional New Year's hymn for Methodists. And um, it's one that says, um, and are we yet alive? And, and all the members of conference are supposed to say, yes, we're still alive. And if we're still alive, we're still here to do God's work. And so as we gather on this first Sunday of a new year, may we know we are yet alive to do the work of Jesus Christ. Let's sing. <laughs>
As we continue in worship, may our ushers come forward to receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings.
enter into a new year, we give you thanks and praise as we offer our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. We pray that you'll use these for the ministry of your church in this community and throughout this world. In your name we pray, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. In us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your witness and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks in the reading of the word. And once more this day, confront it as it confronts us. And asking, O Lord, now by your Holy Spirit to take these words that we have heard and read and now make them the living words. Words as good seed that finds its way to Good soil digs deep roots and brings forth harvest. May now this, the seed of the word of God, dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to each of us this morning a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God and in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you are in luck for my sermon today. I have just two questions I want to ask you. And secondly, and most importantly, it's not going to take me that long. First question. So what did you get for Christmas? Uh, Hamid got socks. Tell, tell me something about your socks, Hamid. <laughs> My socks were so um, old and I, I had a hole in them, so I, I needed uh, a lot of new socks. Okay, and what's the matter, what's the matter with holy socks? <laughs> uh, uh, 
Hey, Steve, what'd you get for Christmas? Um, <laughs> find somebody else. <laughs> Ron, what'd you get for Christmas? God brought me this beautiful lady. Ah, uh, she is beautiful. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Okay. Marcia, would you like to tell me something you got for Christmas? I got wonderful time with my sons. Okay. That's what I got for that's, Christmas. That's a good Christmas gift. Get somebody on this side over here. Carol, what'd you get for Christmas? Visit from granddaughters and cherry chocolates from Dave. Oh, that Dave is such a sweetheart. <laughs> Dave, what'd you get? A shirt. A shirt, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell us what you got for Christmas? Um, a few uh, trinkets, but primarily piece of piece of art. Okay, that's a good gift too. You're getting a little ahead of me on my sermon today. Um, <laughs> You know, most of those are pretty good gifts, even if you didn't deserve them. <laughs> I have another question to ask you. What did you get from Christmas? Now, I know some of you are probably saying right now, did old Dickie have a little bit too much eggnog on Christmas Day? Didn't I just ask you that question? No, I asked you, what did you get for Christmas? I'm asking you a second question, really. What did you get from Christmas. And here's what I mean. Just last Sunday was Christmas, wasn't it? We're all caught up in the excitement of a very special day. After all the waiting, Christmas finally was at hand. And we had spent weeks and weeks in preparation. We had given days and days to our Christmas shopping, writing our Christmas cards, uh, dressing them, mailing them, and cooking, and all the other things that are part of that time. And in the last few hours, some of us probably wondered, did I remember everything? Did I get everything for the dinner? Did I forget anybody on the Christmas list? Did I forget to get a gift for someone I needed to get one for? And then came Christmas, and we were all caught up in this wonder and his peace and his joy. And we knew that if even for a day, it was worth it all in terms of our loved ones and a sense of goodwill and peace that the world can truly know. But now it's the week later. Christmas is gone very soon. A fleeting memory for many of us. It's not quite the same, and here it is, first day of 2017. And though the church calendar says it's Christmas season, many of us are already starting to take down our Christmas decorations as we're doing here in church after service. But you see, it's not what you get for Christmas. That's going to ever matter. It's what you're going to get from Christmas. And though we still have wreaths on the door and our Christmas trees may be up, they're not quite as fresh as they used to be. Even artificial trees don't seem quite as fresh. Isn't there something forlorn about a Christmas tree? All decorated with nothing under it. It's something that kind of sad. For the kids, much of the novelty has worn off the new toys if they have not been broken yet. <laughs> Some of the newness of that uh, new shirt that you just got, Dave, is not quite as shiny because you spilt uh, gravy all over the front of it. <laughs> and much of the excitement is gone for our lives. And he said, well, we're going to wait for another year. 
And the week after Christmas feels a bit like watching a tape of the Rose Bowl in which your team lost. It's just not so quite as nice to go through it again. Although, Clarita, I want to thank you for being here. The Cowboys were playing and you're here. Okay. <laughs> well, if the only question I was going to ask you this morning, what did you get for Christmas, it really would have been the wrong question. So I'm going to be asking you today, what did you get from Christmas? Because we can say, can't we, books and shirts and clothes, and, and I know somebody got a new car. Where are you, Jeannie? <laughs> new car, there you are, new car. You're a sweetheart, Phil. but when the presents have been unwrapped and you take the trash out and when the dinner is eaten and the dirty dishes are left and when the gifts are unwrapped and the indestructible ones are broken what's really left for Christmas and if the things that we got for Christmas are the only things we got what a disappointment it is this Sunday Because if that's the only thing you're going to get after the Christmas tree is bare and the Christmas turkey is bare of its meat and our pocketbooks are bare of its money, we're not going to be left with very much. This, therefore, is the story of old Simeon in our scripture for today. It's following the birth of Jesus. Christmas is over. His parents, according to the custom of the Jewish law, took Jesus to present him at the temple for purification and dedication unto God. And here was old Simeon. He's like about 100 years old. He's teetering and he's tottering as he walked the temple grounds. There's one hand on his cane, his old beard blowing in the wind. He's mumbling under his breath about looking for the consolation of Israel. And he's bothering every mother and every father coming in, looking under every blue blanket to see if this is the consolation of Israel. And, you know, I think that people must just see Simeon coming. They kind of go, oh, they. There's old Simeon coming again, looking for the consolation of Israel. Probably he's just an eccentric old nut. Just let him have his way. He'll go away. But Simeon, many years ago, had seen a visitation of the Holy Spirit. And it said that he should not die until he saw the salvation and the redemption of God's people in the flesh. And old Simeon was no fool, and he must have thought how foolish it did look. Every day and every week and every month, bothering parents who brought their babies for the purification, according to the law. But you see, he had seen the vision and he couldn't let it go. And then Mary and Joseph appeared, and and moved by the Spirit in a way perhaps as he had never known it before, he moved up to them, and with a trembling hand, not, not trembling because of his age, but trembling because of the excitement of it. He moved away the blanket, and saw baby Jesus with his own eyes, and said, Now, Lord, let your servant depart. In peace, for my eyes have seen the salvation of your people. Yes, after Christmas was over and Jesus was born, Simeon saw past the external things, the choirs of angels, the homage of kings and shepherds, the adoration, the sparkling star from the east. For he didn't get something for Christmas, he got something from Christmas. My beloved friends and church family, 
I hope you know that I wanted this past Christmas to be the best Christmas of your lives. And so I asked you just two questions. What did you get for Christmas? And I'm glad you got a, some new socks. To me, you needed them. <laughs> or that new appliance. Or for the kids, a new toy. I love your new car, Jeannie. You take me for a ride. Enjoy them. Enjoy all those gifts. May they make you be joyful and be happy. But don't let Christmas go by just for what you got for it, but what you got from it. You see, the gifts I'm talking about can't be bought in a store. You can't wrap them up with paper. You can't put a bow on top and put it under a tree and open it one day a year. I'm talking about a gift that is eternal as God. James Thurber once wrote, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoners, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace amongst all, to make music in the heart, and to make known the gift of God and the hope of his salvation. No, not what did you get for Christmas, but what did you get from Christmas? The following story talks about one of those things in which you get something from Christmas. It's called the W in Christmas. And it goes like this in the words of a mother who said, each December I vowed to make Christmas a calm and peaceful experience. I had cut back on non-essential obligations, extensive card writing, endless baking, decorating, and even overspending. Yet still I found myself exhausted, unable to appreciate the precious family moments and, of course, the true meaning of Christmas. My son Nicholas was in kindergarten that year. It was an exciting season for a six-year-old. For weeks he had been memorizing songs for his school's winter pageant. I didn't have the heart to tell him I'd be working the night of the production. And unwilling to miss his shining moment, I spoke with his teacher, and she assured me that there'd be a dress rehearsal the morning of the presentation, and all parents unable to attend that evening were welcome to come then. Fortunately, Nicholas seemed happy with the compromise, and so the morning of the dress rehearsal, I filled in 10 minutes early and I found a spot on the cafeteria floor and I sat down and around the room I saw several other parents quietly scampering to their seats and as I waited the students were led into the room. Each class accompanied by their teacher sat cross-legged on the floor and then each group one by one rose to perform their song. Because the public school system had long ago stopped referring to the holiday as Christmas, I didn't expect anything other than fun commercial entertainment songs of reindeers and Santa Claus and snowflakes and good cheer. So when my son's class rose to sing Christmas Love, I was slightly taken back by his bold title. 
Nicholas was aglow, as were all of his classmates, adorned in fuzzy mittens and sweaters and bright snow caps upon their heads. Those in the front row center stage held up large letters, one by one, to spell out the title of the song. And as the class would sing, C is for Christmas, a child would hold up a C. And then H is for happy, and on and on, until each child holding up his portion had presented the complete message, Christmas love. The performance was going smoothly until suddenly we noticed her, a small, quiet girl in the front row holding the letter M upside down, totally unaware that her M now was a W. The audience of first through sixth graders snickered at this little one's mistake, but she had no idea that they were laughing at her, so she stood proudly holding up her W. Although many teachers tried to shush the children, the laughter continued until the last letter was raised, and we all saw it together. And a hush came over the audience, and eyes began to widen. And in that instant, we understood the reason that we were there, why we celebrated the holiday in the first place, why even in the chaos, there was a purpose for our festivities. For when the last letter was held high, the message read loud and clear, not Christmas love, but Christ was love. And is not that what we get from Christmas? The true gift of Christmas. My church family, don't exchange it. Don't trade it for anything. But hold on to it tightly. It's worth more than all the Christmas gifts. Under all the Christmas trees, in all the homes, of the world when you know that Christ was love and he gave the gift to us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Eternal God, you've given us the gift, not the one we bought in the store, not the one we wrapped, not the one we put under the tree, not even the one we opened on Christmas Day, you gave us a gift that Simeon saw 2,000 years ago. May we see it once more. For he is the redemption of your people. He is the salvation of our lives. He is the savior of our souls. May this be a gift, O oh God, we keep and cherish every day of our lives. Amen. There's no better way to begin a new year than to present ourselves before the altar of God's grace to receive God's ultimate love. That we remember on the night that Jesus was with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it. He gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. When you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. And following supper, Jesus took a cup of wine, he raised it, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. When you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. Glorious and 
gracious God, we come to you this morning on bended knee to give thanks for the gift that you gave to your son, whose life, whose death, whose resurrection set for us life now and eternal, that through the mystery of our faith we might proclaim that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again. God, we ask that you meet us here in this place, that we experience your presence and your grace more than ever, that it might abound in us, and through this that we will be your light to this world. Now as we come forward, may we rejoice through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As the ushers and communion servers come forward, I want to remind you that we have an open table. You do not need to be a member of our church. You do not need to be United Methodist to receive God's grace and God's table abounds to all.
Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that we might join together as community, as family on this day to give our thanks and praise, to be together in worship, to look forward with excitement, with fear and concern to what the year might hold. But in all of those things, we know that you hold our future and you hold us in your hands today. And for this, we give you thanks and praise to know we don't need to worry about tomorrow, but to rest in the peace and the goodness of your grace this day. So glorious God, as we continue in worship, may we feel your presence, to feel your spirit move, to look forward with joy to your constant presence in our lives, to meet us in the hospital rooms and in sickness, to feel your healing touch, to meet us in our loneliness and despair, to feel and experience your joy, to meet us in the blessings that we experience and to know that all good things come from you. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise this day for the year that was, the year that will be, and for your promise of life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. So as we join together in prayer and worship, may we too raise our voices in prayer with the voices heard around the world that we offer the prayer that your son Jesus taught that together we too might pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, and from the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May you please stand as we join in shalom to you. standing near you. After I give the benediction, I just ask that you stay in your seat as Gary leads us out with the pipes this, this morning. But give a little squeeze, and as you give a squeeze, remember that you have the joy to walk in relationship daily with one another, to never go forth alone, but to continue to hold fast to the hands that hold yours. And may God continue to hold fast to your heart as we go forth to love and to serve from this day forward. Amen. Amen.